back in, I think it was around August 2021 and Sydney was going through the, the second big COVID lockdown. Me and my partner were walking around the park one day, you know, getting our outdoor exercise. Uh, we basically stopped for about 10, 15 minutes to sit down and um, four police officers came up to us and issued us both with an on-the-spot $1,000 fine. Hello, this is the Law for Community Workers podcast, Supreme Court COVID Fines Challenge Case, run by Redfern Legal Centre. This podcast is produced by Legal Aid New South Wales, and my name is Stephanie Hawes, and I'm a lawyer in the Community Legal Education branch here at Legal Aid. We would like to acknowledge that our podcast is recorded on Aboriginal land and pay our respects to Elders past and present and extend that respect to First Nation listeners. Always was, always will be. Today our guests are Samantha Lee and Rowan Pank and we'll be shining the spotlight on a recent case heard in the New South Wales Supreme Court where the validity of some COVID fines issued by New South Wales Police was examined. We'll hear from the senior lawyer, Sam, about the legal aspects of the case, as well as the outcome and its effect on the community. And then chat more with Rowan, who is Sam's client and the plaintiff in the case, about his experience and journey to the Supreme Court. Hello, Samantha, and thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I think the first question we should ask and start with is, can you tell us a little bit about your role and where you work? Yes, hi. I My name is, as you said, Sam. I work as a senior solicitor at Redfern Legal Centre within the Police Accountability and Admin Law Practice. We are a statewide practice, so anyone that has an incident with police they wish to discuss or an admin law issue, then they can contact our Redfern Legal Centre from anywhere across New South Wales. That's great to know. Um, and more specifically now about, I suppose, one of the big matters you've been working on recently, helping some clients with. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you came to find these clients, how they came to you, and then I suppose the journey from meeting with a client to discovering that there was maybe a legal issue here at play. Yes, well, I take your mind back to uh, 2020 uh, when the first public health order came into play and that's when police could begin to issue fines for breaching public health orders. When that commenced, Redfern Legal Centre started to publish fact sheets about the public health orders in a plain English manner. Um, And we were doing our best to keep up with these changing beasts, I should say, uh, and inform people about the changing rules. But what we also got during that time is uh, so many people calling our centre who had been fined by police for allegedly breaching these public health orders. And so I would say we did over hundreds of advices during the pandemic period. And during this time, we saw so many fines coming through our practice. Um, from various people across New South Wales and for various reasons. But what I began to notice when giving advice is, one, that the fines were very, very vague. And what I mean by that is that the offence details 
didn't provide me with much guidance as to what the person has done. All it said was a short description of the offence, like failure to comply with 789, but it directed me to no legislation or regulation or even a public health order for that matter. So it was very difficult to give advice because I really didn't know what the person had alleged to have done. In addition to that, because the public health orders were changing so rapidly, uh, sometimes two times in a day, I had to make sure I was going to the right public health order that was in place at the time the fine was issued. And really what I was finding is that people were being issued fines incorrectly according to law and the fine itself was vague. And then when we sought a review of the fine via Revenue New South Wales, they also were applying the law incorrectly. So there was really no relief um, or redress for someone in regards to these fines. Yeah, that makes it really hard when you're trying to help someone, but it, it seems so confusing. You mentioned there what the law requires in a fine. What is it that the law, or I suppose this is going into a bit of the court case element, mm. what is it that you actually said uh, made these fines mm. unlawful? Yes, well, when I was looking at the fine um, just by giving advice, you know, I thought to myself, I'm a lawyer and I, I don't understand uh, what this fine is, is saying. Uh, I'd hate to be the person who's issued with the fine who doesn't seek advice to trying to work this out. So really it was a common sense approach that I, I was of the view, surely this fine must at least inform the recipient of the fine, what is it they've done wrong? And what I mean by that is that what offence have they allegedly breached? And then the person can go and look at that act or clause or section and see what the prosecution needs to prove. So that was the basis of going to seek advice from a barrister as to whether we could run some form of case in regards to the fines. And eventually we did come across a barrister, Kate Richardson and Timothy Smart, who looked at the fines and said, yes, you're right, there is a case to be heard here and it's in admin law. And really what the case came down to is Section 20 of the Fines Act. And in summary, what that section says is that the fine itself must contain enough specifics that the person knows what they've done wrong. And it was that legal argument, very sort of narrow legal argument that we took to the court. And maybe it's tricky for our listeners to perhaps guess that seeking some help about a fine could result in a Supreme Court case, but I suppose it draws on the point that if you're unsure, if you think there might be a problem to always get some help. Judge here was the judge that made some comments about it in some of the articles that I've read and she said that the plaintiffs need to know what offence they've committed to make an informed decision as to whether they would pay the fine or to elect the fine. In that process, did she make any other comments about how the fines were unfair or how they had affected people 
unfairly or did you see that in your casework? At Redfern Legal Centre, we did gather statistics from New South Wales Police and Revenue New South Wales about where fines were issued by um, suburb. And what we did find is that the majority of fines were issued to areas that are low socioeconomic areas and also areas with high Indigenous populations. So we did know that these fines had disproportionately impacted those who really couldn't afford a $1,000, $3,000 or $5,000 fine. And not only that, that we were of the view from doing our case law that the majority of fines were issued uh, not according to law. So these judgment, really what it says about fines, and not just about COVID fines, this is a judgment about penalty notices in general, So if anyone has a penalty notice out there that doesn't specify on the actual paper penalty notice or the the notice they get um, by email that what the actual offence committed is, then potentially that fine is invalid and is not a fine under the law. And you were successful in arguing that in court for your clients. What effect has that had past that one case? Has there been, I suppose in in legal terms, the floodgates opened? Mm -hmm. Has there been a broader effect than just those people that um, were lucky to come and and seek your Mm -hmm. your help? Yes, there were two particular fines that we took to court. One uh, was the the, fine for offence failure to comply with 789. And the other one was a fine uh, that um, participating in unlawful gathering. So those two fines were before her honour. However, there are probably about uh, 25 other COVID fines that were not before her honour. In November last year, when her honour heard the case, straight after hearing the case, she directed that two fines before the court uh, were not fines and are invalid. And so in response to that, what Revenue New South Wales did is withdraw 33,000 fines, which were the same fines before Her Honour. However, at the time of that direction, Her Honour did not uh, publish her written reasons or judgment for that finding and it wasn't until the 6th of April this year that her her honour did hand down the judgment and what the written judgment now does is it calls into question the remaining 29,000 other COVID fines which are not the 789 or gathering fine and really what I think it says is that all those other COVID fines are also invalid because they fail to specify the details of the offence. So now it's just a waiting game to see if the government will withdraw all the other COVID fines. And what would be your dream outcome? Would it be that all the fines are paid back and withdrawn? Yes, obviously it would be, but also including um, the fines that people elected to take to court and for those who have already been convicted of those offences, for those convictions to be quashed and any monies paid, repaid. Uh, So it's 
it's a lot of um, issues at play, but I think the outcome needs to be just uh, and ensure that all of the fines are withdrawn. And I'm sure a lot of people that listen to our podcast are aware of working development orders and um, might even be sponsors themselves. Mm. No doubt many of the people, as you say, often highly vulnerable people who were given Mm. COVID fines, elected to pay those fines off by way of working development order. Do you have any idea what might happen to that? work that's been undertaken or any other um, sponsorship arrangements for people that have done WDOs? Yeah, it's a really good question and one that we have been pondering here at Redfern Legal Centre. I think there does need to be some redress for those who have already worked off a fine that is now found to be invalid and those who may be on a working development order at the moment The other group of people are those whose licence was suspended because they didn't pay um, the COVID fine. So there are these ripple impacts on different groups of individuals. What I'd like to say is that we took this case to court not because we don't believe in public health and keeping the community safe. We absolutely do. But what we also believe in is in the rule of law and that the rule of law is even more important in a time of crisis because that's when you really need it to operate at its best. And this case is about ensuring that the law doesn't disadvantage those who are most vulnerable and that it is adhered to at any time during our lifetime. It's so important. Do you think there is a message as well to people in the community like our listeners, community workers, to encourage them to spot or to help their clients to get help from people and services like ours? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's amazing what um, legal services can do, like legal aid and community legal centres. I guess I'd also like to highlight is that when you've got clients coming to you, it's a really unique and privileged experience. And it's an opportunity for you as a worker to maybe identify some systemic issue, particularly if you see patterns of behaviour coming through, that that's maybe something to jump on and even if it you have a niggling that maybe something's not right to to go talk about it with someone and and seek some further input who knows you you may have that rare case that you can take to court or do something about I saw a statistic that the government uh the fines that were issued relating to COVID were around 33 million dollars in in fines and revenue 33 million were withdrawn, um, but in total there were over 60 million in fines issued in New South Wales. One of the largest states of fines issued was in in New South Wales. Mm. Yeah, it's quite an incredible amount. Um, Well, I think that I've become much more informed about the case that you've assisted your clients with in court. And even though it did start many months ago, we've received the decision from Judge here only recently. So it, it no doubt will become more topical. And I really want to thank you for your time speaking with us today. It will be All great right. to hear from one of the clients that you're able to help as well and your experience. 
Yeah, thank you. And if anyone does have a COVID fine and they're wondering what's going to happen with it, then we do have some information on our website. Um, but I think just watch this space over the next week and we might find out some more about what's going to happen. But thanks for your interest in the topic. No, it's great. I have no doubt this will get many listens and hopefully people become um, more informed with those fact sheets and, and many of the <laughs> other great fact sheets you provide on your website. Oh, thank so you. Thanks again for talking with us, Sam. No problem. Thanks again. Hi, Rowan. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I suppose the first question we'd love to hear from you is a little bit about yourself. Yeah, um, thank you for having me. I am 31 years old. I currently live in Newtown, but I've pretty much lived around the inner west for the past five or six years, I'd say. I guess I, I would say I work in media. Um, I've, I've bounced around jobs a lot. I've done a bit of video editing, a bit of music programming. I'm working in sort of post-production kind of stuff at the moment. And the question I'm sure everyone wants to know is tell us about this fine you got. What was it for? What were you supposedly doing? And how much was it going to be that you would have to pay? Back in, I think it was around August 2021 and Sydney was going through the, the second big COVID lockdown. You know, I was living in an apartment right near Sydney Park. Um, and one of the few things that we could do at the time was go for walks to leave the house. Um, so me and my partner were walking around the park one day, you know, getting our outdoor exercise. Uh, we basically stopped for about 10, 15 minutes to sit down and um, four police officers came up to us and issued us both with an on-the-spot $1,000 fine. At the time, I thought it was because we weren't currently exercising that that seemed to be the uh, the reasoning they were giving for us. I, I went home and looked up the rules and because I, I thought this is ridiculous. I, I wouldn't have been sitting out here in the park if I knew that at the time that was uh, illegal. Uh, and apparently outdoor recreation was allowed. You were allowed to be sitting outdoors. But yeah, but then I was stuck with this $1,000 fine and I was not particularly happy about that. No, I can't imagine anyone would be happy about that, a fine for sitting down. Did you, when you say you went home and looked up the um, the rules, did you get information on your fine? Like, could you tell from what was written on the fine what you were supposedly doing wrong? Because what we've been told by Sam, the lawyer at Redfern Legal Centre, is that they're really quite confusing. Yeah, so we weren't actually given, like, any official documentation on the day. And um, I guess being surrounded by uh, police officers... Uh, it, it really puts you on the spot and, you know, you feel like you've done something wrong. So it's it's a bit confronting. And, and so my, my brain's going a thousand miles a minute and I get home and I'm like, oh, quick, I better look up what I've done, try and figure out what's happened because they haven't given me a piece of paper or anything that, that says what I've done. Um, so I couldn't figure out based on the, the current health uh, rules um, what I'd actually done. And then by the time the the official fine turned up about a week and a half later in the mail. It was incredibly vague as well. It didn't actually specify what sort of offence I'd committed or what I'd done wrong. And at that point in time, I can remember that rules were changing almost daily. So it could, could have been very difficult for you as someone who is quite educated and obviously has access to 
materials to look up things and research things. But for someone who um, maybe has struggles or difficulties in that area, that would have been really confusing. What were your initial thoughts upon receiving that hard copy fine? Did you know what you could do or what your options were? Was that when you kind of thought this could be a legal problem? Not initially. Um, I kind of figured like there's there's systems in place for this. If someone's just made a mistake, I should be able to appeal it. And um, and you technically can. It, the online system for appealing any fines is it's, it's fairly straightforward to use. I wouldn't say it's too confusing. Um, so I went on there. I wrote down what the current rules were on the day and why I felt that I wasn't breaking them. And I, I just hoped, yeah, someone will read this and I will get another letter saying, yep, sorry, we made a mistake. Um, you don't have to pay the fine. Uh, and within about a day or two, I got a response saying, no, no, the fine still stands. It's a very severe pandemic we're going through. We need everyone to be safe. Uh, so you still have to pay $1,000 for sitting in a park. Um, yeah. Wow. By that so, point, then, I, I felt it could have become a, a bigger legal issue because um, I felt that there wasn't anything else I could do after that. And is that when you thought, I'm going to seek out some legal help? Yeah, I I initially contacted uh, Marrickville Legal Centre, I think, because I think I was lucky because I'd, I'd had to go um, take my real estate to, to tribunal um, earlier in the year. And they were really helpful there, just uh, people at Marrickville Legal Centre talking me through the, the real estate tribunal process. So I thought they should be good. They should have some advice for me. Um, but I think because the COVID fines was such a, a new legal realm at that time and they didn't have any sort of examples or test cases or anything like that, they couldn't really offer me much advice. And I just didn't pay the fine. I think it went six or seven months and they never came after me for it. So I thought, oh, they must have just forgotten. Uh, and then I saw in the news that Redfern Legal Centre was dealing with a lot of these cases. So when they finally came back with the letter saying, no, you have like one week left to pay the fine, that is when I contacted uh, Redfern Legal Centre. So that's really great that you already knew about legal centres and um, legal options that you had to get advice. Redfern Legal Centre also said they produced some fact sheets and things like that. So I think that they were kind of all over that. When you went to Redfern Legal Centre, was it exciting to know that maybe you and something that you were quite upset about or frustrated about was actually a legal issue? Yeah, I, when I initially called them up, um, I, I got to talk to Sam Lee, who I'd, I'd heard all about her through her name constantly being in um, articles in the newspaper. And I was like, wow, I'm talking to the, the COVID person. Um, and initially it seemed like there wasn't much they could do um, because I had exhausted all of my options for appeals and um, I didn't really want to take it to court because that is incredibly risky. If you know the, the judge on the day, you don't quite know who you're going to get and you may end up getting actual criminal charges and like, this is ridiculous. I don't want to have to go down that route. Um, but luckily they had been working on this, um, on this test case, I suppose. And, uh, Sam asked if, if I would be one of the plaintiffs. So I, I jumped at the chance to do that. I thought this is, this is probably my last chance. And if it works, I think I'll be able to help other people that were in a similar situation. Yeah. And also people that are in a 
maybe a more vulnerable situation to you as well, because um, we learned from Sam that a lot of these fines were given out to communities and people that are in low socioeconomic places, often people living in, as you say, units and apartments in overcrowded areas that did have to go to the park or common areas to, to get outside. So it's, it's quite great that you were able to kind of help and pay that way for lots of people. In terms of how the fine might have impacted you, $1,000 is a lot of money for any person. There's also, you've touched on that concern about getting a criminal record. How might, if you did have to go through and pay that fine for something, as you say, quite trivial as sitting in the park, how might that have affected you and your circumstances? I was working at the time, you know, I wasn't, my job wasn't really affected by COVID. Um, so I, I could have afforded to pay it. Um, it's still like a few weeks rent, you know, no, rents are going up even now still. And so it's crazy to think that you've just suddenly lost like three or four weeks worth of rent money. But I, I think, yeah, as you say, there were a lot of uh, vulnerable people getting affected by this. So so maybe for me as someone who could have paid it, it was probably less risky for someone like me to be involved in this test case. Because if that went wrong for me, I would have just paid the fine, you know. But if someone else who didn't have that $1,000, they still had to pay it at the end of the day, they would have been way more affected than I would have been. So I thought I'm in a position here where I can do something to help um, and it, it won't be the end of the world for me if uh, it kind of backfires. Awesome. And I mean, the final thing is, is did you have to pay the fine? What was the outcome? I did not have to pay the fine. I, um, I think they, they lodged the initial case. And I think the, the evening before all the information came out, like in, in the news, and I guess the, the other parties got notification of it, um, they emailed me saying that my fine had been dropped. So I was very happy about that, but also it had gotten to the stage where they were about to cancel my driver's license. Uh, so I think I had about two days left. I was like, look, I've got two days left. I'm going to have to pay this because I, I need my license. Uh, and luckily I didn't have to do that. Yeah. And they're the bigger effects that I suppose, even though a monetary number of a thousand dollars is a lot and the court system is confusing and could be overwhelming for people, but there's lots of other impacts like licenses and as well as um, people having to do working development orders to pay off their fine if they couldn't do that by way of money. Well, I think that you've answered lots of our questions. Are there any other messages that you wanna share or anything you wanna to say to listeners about getting help, uh, spotting legal issues, or even just about your experience with Redfern Legal Centre? I, I had a really great experience with them. Um, I can't reiterate enough how important it is that you should just reach out to these kind of organisations. They are, they're, they're there to, to help. So that was our guest, Sam and Rowan, spotlighting a very important and interesting case that's outcome will no doubt affect many people throughout the state. As always, you'll find links to resources and information spoken about in this podcast in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you later.